0: From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on
1: ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80.
2: Put my name up
1: We spend all year watching the NFL, talking about the NFL, obsessed with everything that goes on in the NFL. And for the most part... Even in the offseason, that remains the same. But this weekend was different. This weekend was different because we still had football. It just looked a little different. How did you spend your first weekend without the NFL? I know how we spent hours. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers were presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Harry Douglas rocking the cowboy hat today. Like, Harry's on basically no sleep. If you watched last night, you should have watched last night. He was in D.C. for the uh, Seattle-D.C. Defenders game, which I made a little coin on. And uh, on just a couple hours sleep, you are now here. Why the cowboy hat? You just feel a little bit like you feel a little little country and western today there is yeah
2: I, i had my my shirt on and i was like you know what this black cowboy hat to my right matches my shirt i have on my black watch my black earrings uh that come from claire's buy three get three free ladies and gentlemen uh save your money uh, so I decided to rock the cowboy hat with it.
1: I think we should definitely do like an outfit swap whenever you come up to Bristol. I'll go to Claire's and get <laughs> the earrings put in and wear the big cowboy hat. I'll look like a blinged-out uh, Woody from Toy Story, and uh, you can be in the hoodie. I, I think I lose in that scenario. Uh, everybody won this weekend, though, watching the XFL, and you did a great job. Sunday night, the last game, uh, obviously Seattle-DC, we talked about a lot about it last week. It was a successful weekend for you on the sidelines. It was a successful weekend for me hosting the pregame show XFL Today that debuted on Sunday. But it was a successful weekend for the XFL because, Harry, I found like if you looked at social media, if you looked across the landscape, people everywhere were talking about the rules and the officiating and the transparency and just the league as a whole. I don't remember other versions of the XFL getting this much buzz out of the gates, but it felt
2: real all weekend long. Yeah, it did, and you also had to keep in mind in mind that it was up against All-Star Weekend of the uh, National Basketball Association. And seeing how many people were tweeting about it and putting it on their Instagram let you know that football still is king. Now, the dunk contest was f- phenomenal. Uh, the All-Star Game, that's a story for another day, and we're going to get to that a little bit later. But the XFL League, this first weekend was very important. And I thought it, within the first weekend, you had four different games, four separate games. Three of them were instant classics. Uh, you had the one, I believe it was, yes, Saturday night, was the blowout the only one that you had that would have score was a little bit lopsided, mm-hmm. but you talk about money the on that rules. One, yep. You talk about the energy. I was on the sidelines of the D.C. Defenders uh, yesterday. Greg Williams, a guy who's coaching the National Football League for a very, very long time, uh, I was able to talk to him just about every time they had a defensive series and being able to share some of the things that they were doing in the first half, second half, the fans. It was so electric in that stadium. I'm looking forward because the D.C. Defenders, that's one of my, my base teams this season. I'm looking forward to the next game that we have actually in, in, in two, weeks because their fans last night, they had this beer snake type thing and the security guards were trying to, you know, knocking it down, getting rid of it. They started throwing lemons on the field and it kind of <laughs> ignited it ignited the defense and the D.C. defenders. They got a pick six right after it. I had a chance, Michael Joseph, who had two interceptions in that game, interview him. He was just so electric and they were feeding off the crowd. I think the XFL, man, is going to really be something special uh, moving forward.
1: no I mean, here I was last night watching you're thinking, I know him! And then this morning, because I don't know if you guys know this, but I work out now, so I got up particularly early this morning, and as I was driving to the gym, I hear on SportsCenter all night, I I hear my guy, I hear Harry Douglas talking to Greg Williams. This is Harry Douglas from the sidelines with Greg Williams, the uh, the Defenders' Defensive Coordinator about the opening night win.
2: I love coaching these guys that will give you every single bit they have, and that's what happened in the second half. We did a much better job just doing fundamentally technique things and we're never going to apologize for playing tough. We're never going to apologize for having great effort and we're never going to apologize for winning.
1: It was a great question by you Harry and I keep thinking back to what he said at the beginning of it. He talks about the passion. One thing we saw from players whether it was A.J. McCarron with his kids on the sideline afterwards, it's become a little bit of a viral moment or seeing some of the players leading up to the game that were in tears for the opportunity. I say this all all the time but man think about if you've given your whole life to do this one thing and for whatever reason you didn't get the chance it didn't work out the way you wanted and all of a sudden it's just taken away from you. One of the coolest things to me about the XFL was watching names that we've seen before go out and play like they give a damn because they know what's on the line for it. I thought it was huge to see guys like Vic Beasley trying to be a disruptor in the backfield. It was huge to see guys like Josh Gordon finding themselves open to trying to score touchdowns. Like It was huge watching guys like Ben DiNucci, who we remember from being in the league, come out and try and make that statement hey, I still belong. So I thought there was a really special energy and vibe to all of that because the
2: play Players gave so much of themselves to be on the field. And throughout the week, we interviewed Greg Williams, right? And one of the things that stood out to me when we were interviewing him is that he's had a lot of guys that made the Pro Bowl in National Football League that were undrafted free agents. So he touched on really enjoying and loving coaching guys that are hungry and and have a a purpose times 20, you know, to go out there and be productive because uh, it showed yesterday, man, guys out there making plays left and right. That defense forced three turnovers when the offense was, you know, non-existent outside of one drive and it was just an opportunity for them to showcase their talents and I told a lot of the guys on the sidelines when I was interviewing them and even uh, within the meetings, I know a ton of people in the National Football League, GMs, owners head coaches, coordinators you guys go out here and ball, it's nothing for me to send those guys a text, hey watch this guy, check his film out uh, try to get them on the radar. So that's one of the things I know I'm taking from it. I'm gonna be able. I have opportunity to be able to look out for them in those regards, so they can get back to the National Football League. Uh,
1: there's so much to play for for uh, for all of these players that are involved in the process. And you know, there's so much on the line for Dwayne Johnson, the Rock, right? Like he's the, one of the owners of the XFL. Uh, Danny Garcia also on that list. And you think about how public they were to be at every game over the weekend. They're gonna rack yes. up some frequent frequent flyer miles. But this is what Dwayne Johnson said this morning on Keyshawn J. Will and Max about why he thinks the NFL the XFL has a chance to work
2: I think is the intention is the mana and the spirit behind it um, this is deeper for us it's not just hey let's expand our business portfolio with this uh, cool opportunity this is well wait a second this was the dream football was the dream man that was gonna that was gonna take care of our families it never happened
1: You guys can chime in, by the way. How did you spend your first weekend without the NFL? 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. If you listen all the time with Fitz and Harry, you know that on Friday we were asking you guys what you were most excited about. Got some calls for the Daytona 500, got some calls for Tiger, got some calls for college basketball. Uh, Now that the weekend's through, what did you focus on? 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. One thing that I I can't say loud enough, and uh, I don't think anybody at the company will be uh, uh, as unprofessional as I was on Sunday uh, because I told Dean Blandino when I interviewed <laughs> him that he is now the Taylor Swift of officials. Like Everybody loves him. He's as popular as could be. But man, the XFL got a huge win. There was a really controversial call in one of the games on Saturday that looked like it might have been an interception, might have been a touchdown. And Harry, it blew my mind watching it go down because I was sitting there watching with the show staff. We were getting ready for the show the next day. So we're all watching on the couch. None of us agreed on what it was. And we all we're yelling at each other and then we watched Dean Blandino go through every one of his angles and explain with a microphone man if it had been called this way I wouldn't have moved to this and, and as he walked through his whole process I was like even though I don't agree with it I respect the hell out of it like Bro, I thought that was so key.
2: I think how transparent Dean Blandino was in you know going through different camera angles and trying to figure out what the call is going to be that transparency I think needs to be adopted by the National Football League I really do because it also gives fans a sense of what's going on behind the scenes versus them saying you know what what's taking so long why why can't they just get this right and make this call instantly well it's a lot more to it than just you know hurry up and make the call you got to make sure you're, you're looking at everything going on look at where the spot is on the football field and Dean Blandino did a great job this weekend highlighting a lot of those things, and I think people have a be- better sense of, you know, when officials and replay is being done in the National Football League, there's a lot more to it than just hurry up and make the call and get back to play.
1: Yeah, and one thing Blandina pointed out is they have different access at the XFL level to all the camera angles right away, so they don't have to wait for any of the broadcast partners, which I thought was interesting. ESPN's making everything available, so he's like a producer standing there with all of it. It was it was wildly interesting to me. Spencer in South Carolina calling in on the show, 888 say espn 888 7293 Spencer, thanks for calling. What do you got, brother?
0: Hey man, I'm glad to get on the line here. I listen to you guys every afternoon. You're doing a great job. Well, thanks, man. I just want to say I watched uh, XFL this weekend, and man, it was good. It was really good. I really enjoyed it, especially that game last night with the uh, the fans in DC throwing the lemons out on the field. I thought that was a little crazy, but uh, they're enthusiastic, and I really think the league is going to make a really really good impact. Uh,
1: thanks for the call, Spencer. I think a lot of people are feeling that way right now. Like the XFL has a little momentum, and some of those big crowds. Went whether it was D.C. or whether it was San Antonio, let's credit how wild that crowd was. They said the longest wave in record on record, right? Like, everybody was really
2: into it. You guys can and keep... Fitz, oh, go ahead. I got to say this really quick. I got to give a lot of love to D.C. because there were a lot of people in that stadium, including, you know, camera people on the sidelines, that listened to Fitz and Harry. So I told everyone I was going to give them some love. I'm not going to name them by, name by name, but I just everyone in the D.C. area that listened to Fitz and Harry that, that mentioned it last night, we appreciate y'all. Oh,
1: man. And that's amazing. And, you know, I don't know if we if were a little time later, we'll just start uh, throwing out thank yous. Uh, he's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. You guys can keep chiming in. 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. First weekend without the NFL. What caught your attention? What did you do? How'd you do it? Coming up, one NFL quarterback made a massive decision this weekend that not only impacts his future, but another superstar teammate. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
2: Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
1: Look at that. Fitz and Harry here helping everybody. We're going to make that a Friday thing. I don't know exactly what we're going to term it that won't get us fired, but we'll have a good time with it. Fitz and area on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM Channel 80. Contrary to popular belief, the uh, former country music uh, guy is not the one in the cowboy hat if you're watching us in the ESPN app right now. Uh, that would be one, Harry Douglas, who's at, and looking better in a cowboy hat than I absolutely ever have. Uh, we're presented by Progressive Insurance, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And, uh, you know, you can have a certain swagger when you look as good in a cowboy hat as Harry Douglas has. Like, you can have a certain swagger when the printed shirt, like, fits perfectly, right? You can have a certain swagger when you know you've accomplished a certain list of things. I think Daniel Jones might be walking around with that same level of just, you know, walking in the room and got that little, like, shoulders moving, and he's like, mm-hmm, because my guy, over the weekend— Uh, changed agents. He went from CAA to Athletes First. Now a lot of you might say, well who cares? When you're in the middle of a, a, a negotiation and you change agents, that is not done without reason. That is done usually because you want somebody that can come in and help you get more out of that next negotiation. If everything's coming up roses and everybody agrees on anything, why change representation? The change of representation comes at the same time as reports that are floating out there that at this point Daniel Jones Camp believes that they would like him to be a 45 million dollar a year quarterback what? Now, 45 milli is what they think not only according to some reports and some reporters not only do they think that 45 million is what he deserves some would say that that's the hometown discount because of what the other quarterbacks are going to get this summer 45 million for Daniel Jones if you're the Giants you're looking at him saying I can franchise you for 32 and a half there's no way right Harry
2: $45 million? Now, hold on now. This is the same Daniel Jones that, you know, before this season, a lot of people were talking about is he going to be the quarterback of the New York football giants moving forward because he haven't played up to his capabilities. Now, Brian Dable came in there and did some phenomenal things along with Kafka, the offensive coordinator. So $45 million a year after one good year, hell to the nah. No, nope, 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 Okay, nope. so
1: let me play devil's advocate for a second as, as just the hell to the not, nope, nope. Can we get that clipped off, by the way, just the hell to the not with the nope, 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 nope afterwards? Uh, devil's advocate, a year ago, we were saying that Jalen Hurts might not be worth the money, and now we're saying Jalen Hurts could be a $50 million a year quarter. I think the difference, though, is that we were waiting to see on Jalen Hurts, right? And for Daniel Jones, we've seen a lot of mediocrity. Like, the, 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 that's two very different situations, he, he right?
2: had He's had way more opportunities to showcase his talents than Jalen Hurts had, right? Also, we got to remember that Jalen Hurts did go to a Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts is the leader of that football team. We've seen this team without Jalen Hurts and what they look like when he isn't in their presence on the football field playing in uniform. So we still do have that. I just think the two guys are far on the spectrum of how they play the game of football. Well, not how they play, but the production that they play at and the level that they play at. So Daniel Jones, he deserves to get paid, but I think 40 at the most – I think at the most, and, and I don't even I don't even feel comfortable going here, forty one million dollars a year. But if you if you're if 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 you're the the front office, forty million dollars. I'm good right there. I don't know. I'm good I, right there.
1: I'm imagining this is an old school negotiation where Daniel Jones is sitting on one time the the side of the point. table. That's the starting point. And I'm at the other side of the table and he takes a little piece of paper and he writes $45 million. He folds that piece of paper in half. He slides it across the desk. I pick up that $45 million piece of paper. I open it. I look and I just go, mm-mm, mm-mm. And I fold it back and <laughs> shove it. Like, we're not even in this same
2: I like at you your face? Do it again, bro. Mm-hmm. I love it.
1: <laughs> no. And so no, you, sir. Just, you just pass that right on back because there's this moment. And, and look, this is part of the leverage conversation, Harry, because uh, w- there's a much different conversation between an exclusive franchise tag and a non-exclusive. If he is non-exclusive tagged by the Giants, they can sign him for $32.5 million. The risk they take is somebody else could go out, sign him to a huge contract, and then give up two. If they don't match it, they would then have to give up two first-round draft picks. There is not, like I like Daniel Jones, and I've been saying on this show for months he deserves to get paid. If my favorite, if my beloved Raiders signed Daniel Jones to a contract that wasn't matched and also gave up two first-round picks to give him, I quit
2: football. Like there's would, no way I Daniel would throw, Jones would I would is worth throw that. up. Yeah. I would throw up. That's what I would do. I would throw up. Sorry, Devin, I love you, and Devin is a huge Giants fan, but I would throw the hell up. Uh,
1: I probably would too. Let me ask you guys something. So the Giants all reports are like they're willing to give him like in the in the range of 36 37 38 million. He's coming out saying I want 45. Isn't this how negotiations work? Isn't it, it is. more likely that they come somewhere in the middle, like forty million, and that's that's the deal that gets
2: done? Yeah. I yes. Mean, that, yes.
1: That's, that's exactly how it works. I mean that I mean, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, there is sort of a, a a process to all of that. I think we can agree on that. But when you change agents, it does mean that you're usually, typically for an athlete, when you change agents in the
2: middle of a negotiation cycle, Harry, you're Trust looking me, for Fitz, more. I know. I went through it. <laughs> My first agent that I had in the National Football League was no longer when I retired was my agency. I went to Todd France, who at the time was with CAA. Um, Now Todd is with Athletes First and – the, the negotiation tactics were way different. He had way more juice. He had m- way more, you know, relationships with, with, with high up people and people in the rooms making these decisions. And it benefited me. It, it really, really did. But I will say this, you look at both sides of the spectrum, you look at the giants front office and you look at Daniel Jones, both guys have gripes and, and rightfully so because easily the giants could say, well, without Brian Dable and Mike and Kafka, like you were, you were basically nothing. And then Daniel Jones can come back and say, well, when I do have coaches that are feasible, when I do have coaches that understand uh, the positions that put me in, I was better. I wasn't a turnover machine. I did rush the football effectively. I did get the football out on time. I didn't have the turnover. So, you know, you, you have some 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 push and, push and pull from both sides, but rightfully so. That's why they have the word negotiation, well, so those guys can negotiate it.
1: There's also replacement in all of this. Like, that's the bigger question, too. If I'm Daniel Jones, I'm looking around and saying, well— how much better am I than whatever the Giants could get? That's got to be part of what you believe, even in a franchise tax system. Like, I went to the grocery store this weekend, and I, I like me some Diet Root Beer when I'm having my splurge, right? Like a, a little Diet Root Beer is a, one of my favorites. So I walk into the store, and they got the, they got Diet Barks up there. And I was like, ooh, Diet Barks sounds nice. Well, a case of Diet Barks was like $9 at the store. <laughs> or the generic brand that I've never heard of of Diet Root Beer was $0.99 cents for a two-liter bottle. You know my cheap ass went out there and got two two-liter bottles of $0.99 Diet Dr. Pepper, because like there ain't that big a difference between 99 cent Diet Dr. Pepper and Diet Barks.
2: Well, see, that's why you welcome to the Black Cookout. <laughs> because you understand that we ain't paying that high price ass money just because the names different. Yeah, like, we're gonna buy the knockoff and then we're gonna serve it at the cookout.
1: I am not gonna spend nine bucks for Fanta when
2: nobody knows the difference between Fanta and orange soda. Like this is just exa- this is exa- just give me orange. <laughs> hey, you got that give me that purple soda. Man, you know let me let me so- get you got red, let me get red. It's
1: just not even a flavor. It's just a color. At some point, like it's all about how much, how much better you think you are than whatever else they could get. That might be part of what Daniel Jones is banking on, but man, he's got very little leverage in it. Later in the show, we'll get to why this impacts not just Daniel Jones, but one of his teammates, because there is more on the bone than just Daniel Jones wants if you're the Giants. You are dealing with some other issues that also impact the contracts. We'll get to that, but the NBA... The NBA's got no issue with load management. Everybody else is going to tell you they do. They do not. I'll explain why. And most importantly, we'll bring on a, a real expert, and he'll tell you why I'm right. We'll do it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
2: Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
1: Load management is a heated, heated topic right now amongst so many people that love to yell about the NBA. But I think a lot of people are getting it wrong. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Jason Fitz, hanging out with Harry Douglas. You can watch us in the ESPN app. Just realized in hanging out with Christine Lisi, the great Sports Center update anchor, that Harry is one of the few people in the world that no matter what he looks like, he looks like he could be in a Quentin Tarantino movie. Got the cowboy hat on today. Now he looks like the quiet guy in the back of the Tarantino movie. That You know, he could kill you, but he could also take your girl. When he wears a suit, he looks like he could come in, he could kill you, but he could also take your girl. It's a theme. I'm just saying. Watch us in the app having a good time.
2: De- most definitely could take your girl. Oh, if, I was, if I wasn't married. You know, know if I was married. you know what? If I wasn't married. You know what? We talk about acting, so definitely. That most definitely, can okay. Take okay, care okay.
1: That, I, that's my fault, America. <laughs> I, I opened that can of worms. Let's get some expertise from ESPN NBA insider, uh, co-host of the Hoop Collective podcast, Brian Winhorse. Brian, always appreciate your time. So I, I, I'm just going to start by doing what I'm not supposed to do. You're never supposed to ask biased questions. So I'm just going to present a theory, and I want you to tell me if I'm completely wrong here, because in my mind, in a world where all we ever seem to value when we talk about the legacy of players or championships won, and all the league seems to really need to care about is the amount of attention and eyeballs and revenue made during the playoffs. Why does load management even matter for a February game between two teams that won't have that much impact on what we talk about for the next decade or for the next three months?
0: That's the the bargain that the NBA is making. The NBA is saying the the uh, macro is more important than the micro, and keeping players healthy for the part of the season that is higher stakes is more Uh, valued than um, making somebody who bought a ticket specifically to see their favorite player only to sit on the bench in street clothes upsetting them matters less. And so when you have a multi-billion dollar business, you make valuation judgments like this all the time and they have made that judgment, but there's a couple of problems with it. One, the load management is not reducing the injuries on star players. We're seeing star players get hurt at a faster rate than almost we've ever seen before. So it's a bit of hollow. And the second thing is, um, if you continue to send the message to your fans that the regular season games don't matter, which is where you know, a huge percentage of the money is made, they're going to believe you. And it is showing up in myriad ways that that's the case. And um, so, uh, you know, the NBA has made the priority. It's not changing course, regardless of what people say. And, you know, we are in February, so we're in load management season. So we're going to be talking about it in February. And Wendy, that's the thing with me. When you
2: look at the injuries that are still happening to these well-known players, these guys that are the face of the NBA, that's the part where it bothers me. Because, yes – they're they still sitting out these games in what they deem as low management, but they're still getting hurt at a high rate. Like, what, what do you think about that? What do you think it is? Is it the doctors? Is it the, the training? Uh, or guys just aren't made like they used to be made?
0: There's a, there's a lot of theories about this, um, and I don't know the answer. I wish I could say I knew. I don't know the answer. Um, some people believe that the stress that players – are putting on their bodies now is not comparable to the stress of years past. The game is played at a much higher tempo. The game is played at a higher speed. The game is played at a higher skill level, um, that the bodies, um, that they are, you know, that are what, what they're asking of these bodies is, is a greater level than they were asking 25 years ago. I don't know the answer to that. I just know that the concept that giving players time off during the season to help them stay healthier is not always working. And so the downside that you have is not being met with, um, you know, commensurate upside, at least what we can see. You know, you'll never know how giving players time off might have prevented injuries. It's, it's that hidden situation that the NBA and its, its trainers are are betting on. And I'm going to tell you something. Like I see Charles Barkley. He comes out last week and he says very loudly, the NBA is headed for a lockout. They're not going to, you know, there's no way, he, he you know, there's no way they're going to allow this going on. And then I see Adam Silver on Saturday night give his annual all-star press conference where he says he doesn't have a problem with load management. They're going to do this new CBA in the next few weeks, and it's not going to have a resolution to it. I'm telling you. It is not something that the NBA is um, focused on adjusting, and so it's here to stay.
1: We're talking to Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA Insider. You just mentioned the collective bargaining agreement. I know you've mentioned in writing that we're, we're close there. Uh, what are the remaining sticking points from your understanding?
0: I think there's some debate about the um, the age issue, Uh the um, you know eighteen years eighteen years old players coming into the league out of high school and and I think the NBA is open to it but they have some provisions that they want to you know get snuck into that rule that the players association is push, pushing back on. There's some debate about the what to do with these teams that are that are wildly spending. You know, um, ten years ago uh, they put in some new provisions in the luxury tax that were meant to really keep the, the, the spread between the haves and have-nots closer, and those have, have failed because we've got a couple of teams spending over $350 million in payroll. We've got other teams spending around $100 million, and that's not what you're supposed to have. You're supposed to have a much closer uh, co- competition to the middle. And w- last year we saw the team that spent almost $400 million, the Warriors, win the title. So you're going to see some backlash to that. Um, but as far as, like, the big issues, the contract rules, the player movement rules, the load management rules. I don't think we're going to see materially different stuff there. I think they're going to get this deal done before the end of the season, and we're going to have labor peace.
2: Wendy, Kevin, Kevin Durant's comments, I want your thoughts on it. He said that trade demands are good for the league. What are your thoughts?
0: They are good for players. Um, You know, we are in an era right now where star players in particular have experienced incredible growth, not only in their salaries. Um, I mean, you know, uh, max contracts are now are soon to crest the 50 million dollar per year mark, uh, but also in the uh, the power that they have. Um, And so for a star player and for individual brands, it's absolutely a good thing. What Kevin used as his um, his support for that is look at all the news and all the excitement that was generated when he asked for a trade and when Kyrie asked for a trade and that you know during the week of Super Bowl that the NBA took over the um, the uh, focus of the sports world even during Super Bowl week. But I would say that having transactional news being uh, popular on social media doesn't have the same value as a high level basketball game. And I think this can be applied to All-Star Weekend. Players are now way more interested in brand growth and brand protection over All-Star Weekend than they are in the game, the game themselves. And when it comes to their individual brand growth and their business and their social media growth, All-Star Weekend might be great. The game itself has suffered dramatically. And so, like, I don't blame the players for looking out for number one, and, and they certainly, especially in years past, I mean, it's laughable about how underpaid the stars were, you know, even four or five years ago relative to what they actually generated. They're still underpaid at the highest level, but it's much more commensurate now. Um, but, you know, they, they focus more on what they can do for themselves than maybe taking care of what's best for the league. And maybe you would argue that when the guys did what was best for the league, that they were um, under uh, taking care of and that doing what's best for themselves is the right thing. I don't necessarily have a problem with that, but there's no doubt that the, 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 the more interest that has been coming for the players to take care of the league and themselves as opposed to, to do what's best for the league, that the league has suffered. The ratings are down and um, I don't know if it can be reversed, but that's where we are.
1: You guys should listen to the Hoop Collective podcast. We all do, and it makes us better at our job. Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA insider. Brian, always appreciate your time and your expertise. Thanks for hanging out with us, man. Have a great week, guys. All right, so with all of that that we just heard from, from Brian, you'll hear next from Adam Silver and why he agrees with me and Brian about the load management issue. We'll do that next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio.
2: Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
1: A lot of conversation happening right now about load management, when it really should be about Cowboy Douglas. Like if that,
2: It's
1: Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Harry's on about two hours of sleep after working the XFL last night in D.C., and for some reason, limited sleep means he's air guitaring to Garth Brooks with the Cowboy hat on. I'm not mad at it either, by the way. It's...
2: Literally two hours of sleep. Literally two hours of sleep right now.
1: You know what? That's called the grind. That's what we do on the show. That's what makes us different. You guys can hang out with us. Triple Eight Say ESPN 3776 Fitz and Harry's presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly seven hundred bucks on average. Call or click today. Find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. You know who doesn't need load management? Harry Douglas, mm. Jason Fitz. That's mm. right. We don't need it. That being said, I have absolutely zero problem with it, like none. I have no issue whatsoever with load management. And I think part of the problem is actually the way most of us, not necessarily you and I all the time, but most of us, actually talk about the NBA when we make everything about championships when we you know as, as Brian has pointed out joining us last segment you know everything becomes we devalue the NBA has devalued their regular season we've been part of that if all we do every time somebody accomplishes something is say well let's see it in the playoffs or uh, how many championships do you have then who cares what happens in a February game like I feel this to my core we we deal with this like I want to come in and make a huge topic out of something that happens in the game, but we all know there's 30 more of them and that this one isn't going to matter in the long-term legacy, so who cares if if a star player takes the night off? I don't.
2: Yeah, it's fine with me. That's why football is king and basketball will never be because of situations like this. Uh, And I will say this. I I am concerned because I do care about the fan that spend their hard earned money. Uh, For the one time they may be able to go see LeBron or whoever may sit out that night at Kawhi. I am worried about them uh, because we got to remember now fans do also drive revenue. Right. And if we continuously say, like Brian Winhorst just mentioned to us in the last segment, if we continue to say that, you know, these regular season games don't matter then what if fans start to feel the same way and they stop coming to them?
1: I think young fans already do feel that way. In some ways, doesn't matter to the long-term conversation. only matters to you know the, the, the clips, the posterizing, the social media conversation, the highlights. Adam Silver, NBA commissioner at his press conference, this is what he said about the league working with the NBA PA, always difficult for me to say, and trying to reduce load management.
0: I don't think we're approaching it necessarily in an adversarial way with the players' association. We're working collectively together with our doctors, our, our data scientists, and trying to see if there's an optimal way for player performance. If it means at some point we conclude that we're better off elongating the schedule so to to reduce back-to-backs, for example, that's something we're worth that's worth looking at. If we thought it made sense to reduce the number of games, we would, but there's no data right now that suggests. As I said, based on some prior experiments or even as we look at the data over the course of the season and when players get injured, you would think that it would be the case that injuries would increase as the season goes on. And that's not necessarily it either.
2: Now, oh, it doesn't make sense to reduce the season, shorten it. But it's okay to low manage. Well,
1: yeah, because hmm. I mean, they start getting rid of games; they start making less money. Nobody wants to make oh,
2: less. Oh, oh, there it is. Yeah.
1: Say it again for me. Yeah, they don't want to make less money, but okay. like, why? I, if you walk into your favorite hockey team's arena this weekend and you suddenly find out that the goalie, you know, was back to back, so now you got a backup goalie it hey, might be that what if that goalie's the favorite player for your little kid that you brought to the NHL game? If you walk in to a, a a major league baseball game and there's somebody that's got a rest day built in, like that's not uncommon in baseball. Like why are we making such a big deal about it in the NBA, particular when in other sports it already happens? And frankly, even if this like I don't want to sound the insen- stars
2: are bigger. well, the stars are way bigger in in, in the National Basketball Association. In my eyes, more so than Major League Baseball and also hockey. Now, okay. don't get me wrong, baseball players make more money, but the stars are bigger. In basketball,
1: but wait, okay. So at the end of the day, a ton of the money for the basketball and a ton of the stars are made during the playoffs, right? Because millions of people tune in to watch these playoff games.
2: So if I got no, 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 no. you got guys sitting the bench making damn $12 dollars million, million a year now. So so uh, I won't just go there and say no, that.
1: No, but like, look, if, if little, if little Evan, uh, as we are uh, now going to call our producer, <laughs> if little Evan gets to go to a baby game, Evan. if baby Evan gets to go to the game with this family and. And they, you know, I keep, I heard it this morning, a family of four, the average price for an NBA game is $444. So little Evan gets to go with the family and they all come in and they're really excited. How many, how many of those are there in any given stadium? Like aggressively, aggressively, what, maybe a couple hundred people travel from w- w- way outside of town to try and get into this one game. So I got a couple hundred people that have to deal with this, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 times a year, a couple thousand people total are going to be impacted by this versus the Millions of people that are going to watch John ja Morant in a in a playoff game on TV. Like at, at the end of the day, the business of the NBA is going to want John ja Morant on ABC for a playoff game far more than they want John ja Morant to actually be playing when they're playing in Cleveland. Because, like, frankly, Little Evan doesn't matter. Like, there aren't
2: enough Little Evans See, to make a difference. <laughs> you keep referencing Little Evan. It's hilarious <laughs> to me. See, I'm I'm more so worried about the sports science of things too. When it comes That's to these fair. players and being injured. And that's one of the the things I think that Stan Van Gundy was curious about too because if these guys are taking way more rest days and we also have – uh, you know, better doctors and a better a better uh, way of thinking and and better knowledge of injuries in 2023. Why are these guys still getting hurt? Now I know the game is different, but I want I want somebody to really dive into that and figure out what's going on with these players and why these injuries are occurring at the rate that they are.
1: Yeah, that's a great point to this that we don't have the answer to. I'll always take science that leads to better health. That's going to be 100 percent of what I think athletes want. In the meantime, we'll keep breaking it down. But coming up, we'll tell you why the Jets should not be waiting for Aaron Rodgers. We'll do that next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio.
0: Fitz and Harry, the podcast.